you're new here at Heritage, I, I want to thank you for being here today, and, and maybe you've been coming over a number of weeks, and, and I thank you for um, connecting with us. You know, at Heritage, our, our heart and, and why we exist and why we're here is because the Lord visited Miss Carolyn you know, back in 2000 and said, you've had things all over the world, and said, you know, there's hurting people in your community, I want you to love them for me. And that's why we're here as a church. There's hurting people. And God says, I want you to love them for me. What are we called to do here at Heritage? It's to make winners in life. That's what this ministry has been about for 53 years, is talking people into winning from the Word of God. Amen. How do, how do we do it? How, we, how are, is our desire to accomplish this, this vision is to bring people to an experience with God. I mean, you don't need an experience with Justin. I mean, I count it an honor to be your pastor. Annette and I count it an honor to be your pastors. But it's not having an experience with, with me or the Savelles. It's about having an experience with God. Second thing is about being equipped with the Word. That the, the Word of God has the answer to whatever you're facing. And lastly, it's to engage yourself to influence the world around us. It's about, it's about knowing God. It's about knowing His Word and taking, taking that understanding and influencing the world with it. Amen? Amen. So what we do, the other things that we do here at Heritage and, and our heart, and it's been on our heart years ago, was to, to not just connect on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, but it's also to connect through small group life. You know, I, b- I believe small groups aren't just, aren't just an, a, a good idea. Um, I, I believe they're a God idea. Now, we don't have groups that meet every week, um, but, uh, but we, ha- we do have groups because I believe great discipleship happens in small group settings. And I believe it's important to have the relationship. I, I, I remember going through, through seasons in my life where I went to church but wasn't connected to church. And I know seasons of my life where I went and I understood the purpose of church wasn't just about me coming and receiving on a Sunday morning, but it was about coming and being connected to the body. How do you get connected to the body? You get connected, yeah, by, 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 by coming, by giving of your tithes, your offerings. You connect that way, but also you connect through your serving, giving of your time, but you also connect by building relationships within the church body. Now, this isn't my message today. I'll get into that in a moment. Because this is, this is Thrive Group Weekend. And we do it once a month. And we have other groups that don't meet on Thrive Group Weekend. We have Victorious Adults. That's, that's our, our 55 and, and older. We have uh, Yah, which is Young Adult Heritage, that meet once a month. We have Chariots of Light that, um, that meet every month, that's, which is our biker ministry. Um, and, we ha- and we have so many other um, different places and ways that you can connect. But Thrive Group Weekend is about a place where, where people within our church that have our hearts, our pastor hearts, to connect with people in our church family. And, and can you come here real quick? I don't know if I, Officer Fillion, Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremiah Fillion. And uh, him and his wife, Kitty, are, are Thrive Group leaders, but they didn't start out as leaders, so I want to... Thank you, Pastor. Uh, I just want to give you all a quick testimony about uh, my experience with Thrive Group. Um, several years ago, I um, was, had some health problems, some medical issues, had some spiritual issues. Uh, I had stopped coming to church, had gotten out of the Word, and we all know what can happen to somebody when that happens. I was not in a good spot. And so we had started coming back to church, and... Uh, I was sitting in the back over here, and there was a guy that was an usher, and he was a Thrive Group leader. He was over on this side, and this is before service. He saw me and made a beeline for me, uh, introduced himself, and um, introduced his wife. Super, super great people. And uh, over the next few weeks, he made a point to find me uh, every Sunday morning, asked me how I was doing. He knew I had some issues going on. And uh, we were walking out to the car one day. And I was telling him about some of the health problems I was having. And he could hear the fear, the anxiety, the unbelief in my voice. And he stopped me dead in my tracks, shoves his finger in my chest. He goes, you need to find a scripture. You need to stand on it and stop talking like that. <laughs> yes, sir. And it was, it was the spiritual slap in the face I needed. 
and uh, he invited us to their Thrive group. And we went. If, if he had not invited me, I probably wouldn't have gone. I was, I was at the place where I just wasn't a people person. I really didn't want to, you know, to go, but we did. And, and when he asked, when he invited me, I knew in here we needed to go. I knew we were supposed to go. And I'm so glad I went. Uh, we made some amazing friends, still friends today with a lot of people in that group, uh, everybody in that group. Kevin and Penny Joy, um, we were met at their house. They're fantastic people. Love you guys dearly. And we grew tremendously uh, through uh, that Thrive group. And um, it's not to say I have all the answers. I got it all figured out, but we grew. And we are now Thrive group leaders. And I want to encourage each and every one of you that if you are not a part of a Thrive group, please um, prayerfully consider joining. Um, you know, you know like, like Pastor said, making winners in life, that's what this church is all about. As iron sharpens iron, so uh, yeah, a man yeah. sharpens the countenance of his friend. Yeah. That's what we do. That's the goal. That's the end yeah. result. So if you have questions about Thrive Group, come ask me. I will be happy to talk to you about it. My super amazing wife, Kitty, over here. Raise your hand. Wave, <laughs> Kitty. You can, ask, you can ask her. She will uh, uh, answer any questions. Pastor Phil will answer any questions you have about Thrive. Um, Thrive Group leaders, raise your hand if you're a Thrive Group leader. Anybody with their hand in the air, come talk to them. to your feet so they can see yeah. you. Yeah. Any questions about Thrive? Come talk to them. Yeah. I, I highly encourage you all to prayerfully consider joining a Thrive group. You will not regret it. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. You know, it's, it's part of our hearts, but I believe it's part of the, the Father's heart. And, um, I mean, the New Testament church, you know, they, didn't, they just didn't meet on the first day of the week. But they, went, they met continually from house to house. And uh, I believe it's important to, to find a group. And, and it's, uh, there's so many testimonies that we can give of just... And, it, and it's awesome as pastors that, that it, it, all of a sudden a word gets back to us. And that small group and that family was that they had someone in their group in a hospital. And all of a sudden it gets back to me. And the next thing you know, all they tell me is like, hey, we found out about it. And there was a need, whether it was providing meals or whether it was... All of a sudden, hey, someone in our group needed a, needed a washer and dryer where our group ended up putting money together and we bought them a washer and dryer. And so, so it's the thing, it's the body being the body. And it's so important, so encourage you. The Thrive Group leaders will be in the lobby or outside in the front. Get connected. You can go online, go to the Church Center app. And you, you can ha- it has little videos of each group, and um, you can connect with them. It has their addresses, and, and they're always at the same time every month. Um, some some months, uh, the, the, it might be not be the third week, depending on a holiday or so or whatever. But, but we also, at the same time, we have children's ministry going on as well. From, from zero all the way up to fourth grade, um, that we do, we do worship with them. We do ministry. Like tonight, we're, for, for first through fourth, we're going to be preparing for an outreach that we're going to be doing with them. But then also, but then also the youth, seventh through twelfth, are going to have a water rec night tonight as well. And, and, and so it's a, it's an awesome time, not just for you, but also your, 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 the, the whole family. So I encourage you, get connected to a Thrive group. And also, if I have Pastor Phil and, um, and Nikki and um, Justin and Jennifer. I didn't see Jennifer. They're over Chariots of Light. There's Justin. She's <laughs> they are married, but they're <laughs> they do like each other, but they're <laughs> um, but get connected with those other groups. And, and I'm telling you, it's just it's just once a month. It's just once a month. And it's, it's a great way to build relationships, but also find family. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's enough of the infomercial for today. But, uh, but I believe that was an anointed announcement. How about you? I, I believe it was a great announcement. And, um, and sometimes you just have to talk about just church life, you know? How many people were here last Sunday? Amen. Actually, before I, before I get into this, I just want to thank everyone for their prayers for Annette. Um, my, my, fam, my parents were in from Maryland all last week. They left. Uh, they left on Friday, and then my wife flew out again on Saturday to go be with her parents. So I think she got two hours of sleep last night sitting next to her mom's side last night. So continue to pray for Pastor Annette and um, as, pray for my mother-in-law that she continues to get stronger and stronger. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to continue with what I dealt with last week, and um, I'm not going to do a whole lot of review, but I believe it's important to lay a foundation if you weren't here. Let me 
Go to um, Psalm chapter 71. Psalm 71. Before I read there, I want to read a scripture I started off with last week. It's in 1 John chapter 2, verse 14. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Actually, can you, uh, can you put that up, um, Wesley? Can you put that up in the Passion Translation? 1, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 14. Put you on the spot. Thank you, Father. First John chapter 2, verse 14, in the Passion. It says this, I write these things to you, dear children, because you truly have a relationship with the Father. I write these things, fathers and mothers, because you've had a true relationship with Him who is from the beginning. And I write these things, young people, because you're strong. And the word of God is treasured in your hearts and you have defeated the evil one. You see, there's a connection between the word of God in your heart and you overcoming the enemy. There's a connection between the word of God in your heart and you overcoming the enemy. In the New Living Translation, it says, Heaven have written to you who were God's children because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. And I've written to you who are young in the faith because you're strong. Strong. I've been talking about having being a strong in spirit because you're strong. God's word lives in your heart and you have won your battle with the evil one. See, the word of God is what's going to make you strong and make you continue to make you stronger and stronger and stronger. I'm so grateful that I'm stronger today than I was for when I when I started in my journey with the Lord in January 23rd of 1993. Are you are you glad you're stronger now than you were when you first started walking with God? And so this knowing this come this understanding of the word is about Knowing God, understanding the word is about knowing Jesus. And Daniel eleven thirty two tells us they that know their God shall be strong. I'm not going to know the father. I'm not going to know Jesus apart from knowing the word. So knowing the word comes down to knowing the father. Faith comes from the word of God. Faith begins where the will of God is known. If I don't know the will of God on something, then I'm not going to have faith for something. And this is where last week we learned about the, the, uh, the woman with the issue of blood where she had to have heard something somewhere along the line where she all of a sudden obtained faith to the point where she said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And I talked about maybe she had heard the scripture in Malachi, the prophet writing, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And we talked about God's righteousness last week. Now, I've talked about our position in righteousness, but last week I talked about God's righteousness. What is what is righteousness? If you just take that the N.E.S.S. off, it's righteous. It means full of right. And if you add the N-E-S-S on it, it means a continued state, a continual state of being and doing right. That's what God is. That's who God is. He is righteousness. Now, let's look at Psalms chapter 71. And all this came out of what Dr. Savell ministered to us on three different, uh, on three different occasions where he said that in hard times, God will rescue you. Why will he rescue you? Because of his righteousness. Psalm 71, verse 1, it says, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to 
escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Deliver me in your righteousness. What's going to bring the deliverance? God's righteousness. God's righteousness is what's going to bring the deliverance. I'm just doing a little bit of review. Now let's go to verse 14. It says, but I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. And my mouth shall tell of your righteousness. I'm going to talk of his righteousness. I'm going to talk of his constantly, consistently way of doing and being right. So my mouth shall tell of your righteousness and my mouth's going to talk of your salvation all the day. For I do not know their limits. What is he telling us? He goes, the psalmist here is saying, I don't know the limits of what God can do. There's, I don't know the borders of what God can do. I, I don't know the borders of his righteousness. I don't know the borders of his salvation. And we talked about that we've got to take the limits off God. We've got to take the limits off him, what he can do in our finances, what he, he can do in our marriage, what he can do in our personal life, what he can do with me and my future. So he's saying, I, 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 can't, I haven't come to the end of it yet. I know as, as your pastor, I have not come to the end of his righteousness or his ability or his salvation. It is without limits. And these are some of the things we talked about last week. We talked about his work of righteousness out of 1 John chapter 3. That the, what is the work of righteousness that the Son of God does? What is it? He destroys the work of the enemy. That's the work of righteousness. That's the work of righteousness. That's what the son of righteousness did. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. And we talked about Acts 10, 38. It said how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good. You could say this. He went about doing righteousness. He went about doing righteousness and what? Healing all that were what? Oppressed by the devil. See, his righteousness is about taking off the enemy's limitations. Let me say that again. His righteousness is about taking the enemy's, taking off the enemy's limitations of what he's put on you. If you could say it that way, it sounds better. His righteousness, his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, his, the work of righteousness is about setting men free. I'm so grateful I made Jesus the Lord of my life. Are you grateful? I mean, think about his righteousness, him, he who knew no sin became sin that I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now think of, think about it for a moment that his righteousness encountered my unrighteousness. And it made me a new creation, Kenny. You talk about a miracle. You talk about taking the limits off. There's no limit to what he can do. Now let's go to Isaiah chapter 45. Now I'm going to make a statement and then we'll, we'll talk about this. Thank you, Father. Isaiah 45. We make the statement. Thank you, Lord. We've talked about, you've heard me talk about in years past about the anointing. Are you familiar with the anointing? I know it's a, it's a real, it's a really strong spiritual religious word, but don't treat it that way. The anointing. Let me make this statement. The anointing is the manifestation of God's righteousness. When you talk about the anointing, you're talking about the manifestation of God's righteousness. When the anointing comes upon a life, it is God's righteousness coming upon something to make something right. 
Let's look at Isaiah 45, verse, verse 8. Rain down, you heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open and let them bring forth salvation. And let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Now, it's interesting that we see a connection between God's righteousness and salvation. That where God's righteousness is, there's victory. Where God's righteousness is, there's deliverance. Where God's righteousness is, there's change. So, so let, the, let, let, let the heavens rain down righteousness. Let the earth open and let them bring forth salvation. So when righteousness is rained down upon the earth, it brings forth what? Salvation. A little deep, right? <laughs> Let's just hold on here. Let's go to verse 16. They shall be ashamed and also to grace. All of them shall go into confusion together who are makers of idols. But Israel shall be saved by the Lord. Let's look at verse 18. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who is God who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain. Meaning he didn't create the earth for no purpose. But he formed it to be inhabited. Meaning he created the earth for you. Now a lot of people out there, you know, people that like to hug trees and stuff. They think that we were made for the earth, but the earth was made to be inhabited. The earth was made for you and me. Not the other way around. And I'm, I'm not saying that we don't, we don't take care of it and that we don't, we're not good stewards of it. I'm just saying that, that, that we are, the earth was created to be inhabited, meaning it was created for me. It was created for me and it was created for you. Who created the heavens and the earth, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. And he says, I am the Lord and there is no other. I have not spoken in secret. In a dark place of the earth, I did not say to the seed of Jacob, seek me for no purpose. So just like he, he created the earth with a purpose, he created you for a purpose. And he, and it's this, and he says, seek me, you, that Jacob wouldn't seek me in vain. He says, I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. So his works are righteousness. And his words are righteousness. What he speaks is righteousness. And what he does is righteousness. Let's go to verse 22. Look to me and be saved all you ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. I have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness. Now listen. The word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness. And shall not return that to every knee shall bow and every tongue shall take an oath. He shall say, surely in the Lord, I have righteousness and strength to him. Men shall come and all shall be ashamed who are incensed against him in the Lord. All the descents of Israel shall be justified and shall glory. So what he speaks is righteousness. Now. Matthew chapter 10, verse 40 through 42 says, If you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, you receive a righteous man's reward. So what is he saying here? When you receive the righteous word that doesn't return void, what happens is it said you will be justified and you shall glory. So because of what his righteousness has accomplished, I receive the reward of righteousness and I shall praise and I shall glorify him. Now let's go to Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33. So his works are righteous and his words are righteous. Jeremiah 33. Thank you, Father. King of glory, fill this place. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 33, verse 14. 
says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I promised. Now, I just want to connect that. The days will come that I will perform that good thing which I promised. Remember, his words are righteous and his works are righteous. And what do his righteous works do? They destroy the enemy's works. I will perform the good thing which I promised. I will perform the good thing. So in hard times, God will rescue me. Why? Because he will perform the good thing he promised. 2022, the year of the open hand of God. I will see the open hand of God upon my life because he will perform the good thing that he's promised. What promise in the word are you holding on to? It says that he will perform the good promise. He will perform that good thing which he's promised. So he's going to do a work of righteousness because he declared a word of righteousness. Let me say that again. He's going to do a work of righteousness because he declared a word of righteousness. Look at verse 15. In those days and at that time, I will cause to grow up to David. Now, this is a branch of righteousness. And he, so this branch of righteousness will be a person. It'll be a he. He's referring to the Messiah and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. Meaning he's going to do judgment, but also he's going to do righteousness. The Messiah that's been promised, this good promise, these things that he declared, he is going to execute righteousness in the earth. He's going to do righteousness in the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved. So this one that's coming, this Messiah that's coming, that he's going to execute righteousness, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell safely. And this is the name by which uh, he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. I want you to see that, that, that the, the Lord is righteousness. He is full of And consistently and constantly doing righteousness. In this Messiah that's coming, he is going to execute righteousness. He's going to bring salvation. He's going to bring safety. And he will be the Lord of righteousness. The Lord of righteousness. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. That was my introduction. Romans 1. If you knew here, I'm a, I'm a teacher, a teacher, pastor, pastor, teacher. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mm. Romans chapter 1. Look at, look at verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news of the anointing. You know, it's interesting in my translation here, it doesn't say just the gospel, but it says the gospel of Christ. Young's literal says the gospel of Christ as well. And so here it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news of the anointing. Christ was not Jesus' last name. It wasn't Joseph and Mary Christ. Christ was his, the representation that he was the Messiah. He was the one that was anointed comes from another root, Creomaya in the Greek, that means to furnish what is needed. So Jesus Christ, the one that's been anointed, empowered and equipped to furnish what's needed. So he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the anointing. I, I, I want you to know this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. 
I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the anointing. I'm not ashamed of the anointing. I'm not ashamed of the good news. Hallelujah. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. So the gospel of the anointing is the power that produces salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, meaning, meaning this is for everyone. This is, this is not just for one select people group. It's not just for the Jewish people, but this is for the Gentiles. This is for the nations. This, this, this lets me know that I can be a partaker of it because it's for me. And you need to understand the gospel that is the power of God unto change is for you. You need change in your life? Well, the gospel is the power to accomplish it. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. You're like, well, what does this have to do with righteousness? We have to keep reading. For everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Now, listen, for in it, say in it. What, what is the it here? The gospel. Righteousness of God is revealed. So when I hear the gospel, I should be hearing about God's righteousness. If gospel is the power of God unto salvation and the gospel in it, righteousness is revealed. Then I have to understand that I am seeing and righteousness is the work of it is to destroy the works of the enemy. So the gospel is the power of God unto salvation and it in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Another way for real is it is uncovered. So I can truly see God's righteousness His righteousness is totally unveiled when I truly know the gospel. I can truly know the gospel. I can truly know his righteousness when I see the gospel. Because remember, the gospel is a, not just a word of righteousness... But the also, also the gospel releases a work of righteousness. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. I've got several places um, we could go. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. And while you're turning there, if you can also find Matthew chapter 4. So the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's for everyone. And it's in that gospel. Righteousness is revealed. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Let's look at verse... um, Forty-two. Now you, you've got to connect this with Jeremiah thirty-three. Remember, there's one coming. He's going to be the one that's going to come. That's going to execute righteousness, right? And he's the Lord our righteousness. Verse forty-two says, "Now when it was day, he departed and he went into a desert place, and the crowd sought him and came to him, and he tried to keep him from leaving them." But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. Now, this is Jesus talking and he's saying, look, I've got to go other places. I I can't stay here. I can't stay in this one place. He, He said, because I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because that's why I'm here. There's this urgency on the inside of Jesus. There is this, this attitude in Jesus' heart saying, I've got to keep going because I'm here for a reason. And he's, t- and he's ultimately saying, I've got to preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. 
I mean, I can't, I can't just keep it in this city. It's got to go around the world. We got to preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. Now, what is the kingdom of God? He says, I must preach the kingdom of God. Well, well, let's, I, can, I can talk about a lot of descriptions about the kingdom of God by going to tons of scriptures. But I think we need to let the scripture interpret scripture. Romans 14, 17. Romans 14, 17. It says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Meaning it's not something natural. But it tells us what the kingdom of God is. What? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So Jesus is saying, I've got to preach the kingdom of God to other cities. I've got to preach righteousness. I've got to preach peace. And I've got to preach joy. I've got other people need this message and this declaration of righteousness, peace, and joy. Now let's hold your place in Luke 4 and let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Now, now, before I read this, in, in Matthew chapter 4, if we look back to Matthew chapter 3, John the ba- talks of John the Baptist, and it says that he stood up and he preached something. He preached a different message. What did he preach? He preached and said, hey, 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 come on, guys. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He, he, what is he saying? Repent. The word repent there just doesn't mean to, it's not confess sin. Repent means to to turn around and go a different direction. He's saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is he saying? John John the Baptist is saying, look, there's a new system coming. There's There's a new way of doing things coming. There's a new way of living coming. There's a new way of being coming. There's a new way of doing things that the world has never seen. So repent. You've been going this direction. Now instead you need to repent. Go around 180 degrees and go back another direction because there's a new way of doing things. The kingdom of heaven. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Meaning there's something that is at hand. There's righteousness at hand. There's peace at hand. And there's joy at hand. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 4. Verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He was preaching, he he was teaching in their synagogues. But what was he teaching? And what was he preaching? The gospel of the kingdom. He was preaching the good news of the kingdom. Well, what's the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, peace. And joy in the Holy Ghost. He was teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. So here, the Lord, this branch of righteousness, is now speaking and declaring words of righteousness, and now we see him doing works of righteousness. Let's go back to Luke chapter 4. Are you with me? Now, it said in Luke chapter 4, like we read, it said, he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also because that's why I'm sent. But what was the message? This is what he had to talk about was, was he must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. But what did he preach? Let's look at verse 14 of Luke chapter 4. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went throughout all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. What did he teach? He taught the kingdom of God. Why did they glorify him? Because they were hearing things they'd never heard before. They were hearing about God's righteousness, God's peace. And they were hearing about the joy that comes by His Spirit. It goes down and says, So then He came to Nazareth. 
See, the first place he preached when he came out of the wilderness was not in Nazareth. A lot of people say, well, as soon as he came out of the wilderness, he went, he went to Nazareth and he stood up and he read out of Isaiah 61. No, he didn't. We just saw when he came out of the synagogue, when he came out of the wilderness, he said he returned the power of the Spirit. And he said he taught in their synagogues being glorified at all. And then he went to Nazareth and had been brought unto him as it was his custom. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You could say, the spirit of righteousness is upon me. You see, the anointing is God manifesting his righteousness. If he is the Lord, our righteousness, then what would the spirit of the Lord be? The spirit of righteousness is upon me. The spirit of righteousness is upon me. Vic, the spirit of righteousness was upon Jesus to release righteousness. The spirit of righteousness is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel. To preach the gospel. Matthew, it says the gospel of the kingdom. So he was preaching righteousness because, but he said, I was preaching the kingdom of God and that's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So he was preaching the gospel to the poor. If you are operating in poverty, then you don't have peace or righteousness or joy in your financial life. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. If you're brokenhearted, then there's no, there's not righteousness, peace, and joy. To proclaim liberty to the captives. If you're bound to something, then you, you don't know what righteousness, peace, and joy is all about. Recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So he's saying, the, Jesus is saying, the spirit of righteousness is upon me to preach the gospel, to bring righteousness. Everywhere you see Jesus going, he's bringing not just, he's bringing a word of righteousness, but he's bringing the work of righteousness. Remember, the work of righteousness is to destroy the works of the enemy. And this is what Jesus was doing. So when we talk about God's righteousness, we're talking about the anointing that breaks yokes and removes burdens. We're seeing Jesus preach righteousness and we're seeing Jesus do righteousness. God desires righteousness in your life. Now, I'm not talking about your position, your spiritual position, righteousness. I'm talking about this. I'm talking about his nature and his character is righteousness. So when Jesus was going about preaching the gospel of the kingdom, he's saying, hey, God wants to make what's unrighteous, righteous. He's wanted God. Jesus is saying what, what God wants to do is he wants to take something that's ruined and bring restoration to it. Oh, I'm so grateful for God's restoration in my life. I'm so, see, God, restoration in your life is God's righteousness at work in your life. It's whatever's wrong, it's God making things right. <clears throat> when God heals a body, a physical body, it's His righteousness coming on the scene and overtaking unrighteousness. Sickness is unrighteousness. Poverty is unrighteousness. Addiction is unrighteousness. The feeling of fear and failure is unrighteousness. And this 
gospel of the kingdom is a message of righteousness to take whatever's wrong and make it right. Let's go to Isaiah 61. I'll start to close with this. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. So the anointing. Remember the, the anointing. Isaiah ten twenty seven. It says the anointing removes burdens and it destroys yokes. So the anointing, God's anointing is righteousness. It's His righteousness that removes burdens and destroys yokes. Hmm. There's bondages and there's oppression on lives in this place. There's bondages and there's oppression on those watching by way of internet. And it's his righteousness. The anointing is his righteousness. Removing the burdens and it's destroying the yokes. So when we see a body being healed, we're seeing his righteousness at work. And all of a sudden, when you came in and you had no hope, and all of a sudden, you now, you had hope because the Holy Spirit spoke to you and all of a sudden gave you new vision and gave you new insight about your future. You're seeing the righteousness of God at work. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I believe His righteousness is working in this, in this place. You see, you can never be, even as we take, if I even look at our position in Christ today. You're righteous. Not on any works that you could have done. It was a supernatural work of the cross. It was a work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Can you put up Titus chapter 3 verse 5? Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. He saved us, how? Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of righteousness. And you will never become righteous in your own ability. It is your relationship with the word And the Holy Spirit that is going to regenerate you and renew you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is a spirit of righteousness. And the God of righteousness, the word of righteousness, the work of righteousness, the spirit of righteousness will never leave you the same. Why? Because the gospel, the word and the work is the power of God unto salvation and it re- in it reveals the righteousness of God. So when you preach the gospel, you're revealing God's righteousness. Mm. Let's go to Isaiah 61. We're going to read what Jesus stood up and he read on that day. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. As I translated it, the spirit of righteousness of God is upon me. Because righteousness, the Lord, has anointed me. Righteousness, the Lord, if the Lord is righteous, and righteousness is the Lord, you can't separate them. It's who he is. Just like God doesn't have love, he is love. God doesn't have righteousness, he is righteousness. It's in Psalms 89 verse 14. It says the foundation of his throne is righteousness. His very throne, his his throne sits on righteousness. And if God ceases being righteous, then his kingdom ceases. The foundation of his throne. Now listen, the foundation of his throne is righteousness. And now I get a new revelation and, and when it says of Jesus and Jesus is talking in Revelation, I believe chapter 20, it says that Jesus sits on the throne 
which is established, which is in righteousness, and he makes all things new. So he sits on the throne of righteousness. See, the foundation of his throne is righteousness. Now Jesus today is sitting on the same throne and he makes all things new. Why? Because as Jeremiah said, he came to execute righteousness. And if you look at God as some sort of evil man that's trying to get you for something, then you'll totally miss the point here. Executing righteousness, meaning he's going to get his work done. He's going to get his work accomplished. So when you see the power of God, you're seeing righteousness working. I've never seen this before until last week, a couple weeks ago when the Lord started speaking to me about this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Man, he went to people that had issues. He, Jesus was anointed. You know, it doesn't say he, he went there to just pat on the back those that were doing good. No. He came to do something about unrighteousness. Even if you think you have it all together, you don't. Matter of fact, you probably need it more than other people do. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. His righteousness wants to set you free. Why do you think the angels rejoice when one person gets saved? Because all of a sudden they're seeing God's righteousness at work. Hallelujah. There's, mm. Come on. That's good news. Mm. To proclaim the acceptable of the year of the Lord. That's your year of freedom. And the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. Righteousness comes in and comforts. Righteousness comes in and takes things that were destroyed. And God can make beauty out of it. The oil of joy for mourning. And the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why? 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 And I want to shift gears here right at the end. Why did God send Jesus to preach the gospel of righteousness? It was to reveal the Father. To reveal the righteousness of the Father. But why? You have to finish reading that same verse. Let's look at verse 3 again. To console those who mourn in Zion. This is all what the anointing does. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. If you don't have joy as a Christian, not doing it right. You got to get closer to him. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That. Now comes the purpose. Why did he come and preach the gospel of the kingdom? That they may be called trees of righteousness. Why, Joseph, you're a tree of righteousness. They use the word tree here because it, it means to be established. It's almost, like a, it's almost like a billboard sign. That righteousness has touched my life. And because righteousness has touched my life, I've now become a picture of righteousness. Jesus came and preached righteousness. He came with a word of righteousness and a work of righteousness so we could be the examples of righteousness.
that what his anointing, his righteousness has done in my life, someone else can see it. And now I'm examples of righteousness. And then someone can come to me and Terry and say, man, what makes your life different? Let me tell you, the spirit of righteousness is upon me. And when you preach the same gospel of the kingdom to someone else, Terry, then what happens? They become trees of righteousness. And when they have an encounter, then they're established in righteousness. And then they go and they minister to someone else. And then they become trees of righteousness. And the next thing we know, we are a whole forest filled with people that are established with righteousness. Look at verse 4, and I'll try to close with this. So why are they called trees of righteousness? It says, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. He gives glory when his righteousness affects your life. Look at verse 4. And they shall. Who shall? The trees of righteousness. See, this scripture isn't all about what, what Jesus is going to do, what Jesus did. He stood at me read, but you got to understand, he stopped reading. And he sat down. Why? Because, because starting from the end of verse 3 into verse 4 is you and me. See, he stopped reading, and the thing is, is we need to start reading. So we need to, if you've encountered his righteousness, then you need to be able to say, hand me the book of Isaiah 61, because I'm a tree of righteousness. And verse four, and they shall, I'm a tree of righteousness and they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolation and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, meaning Gentiles, people that didn't have a right to a covenant. They're going to stand up as trees of righteousness and they're going to feed your flock. And the sons of foreigners, talking about Gentiles, shall be your plowmen and vine dressers, but you shall be named priests of the Lord. Those that have encountered God's righteousness, the gospel of the kingdom, are now the priests of righteousness. And they shall call you servants of our God. They shall call you servants of your God. Other people will call you servants of, of righteousness. Instead of your shame, you shall have double. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. And everlasting joy shall be theirs. Hallelujah. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Why will everlasting joy be theirs? Because they understand the gospel of the kingdom, which is righteousness. Now get this. Let me say this. It's a righteousness that produces peace that releases joy. That's what the kingdom of God is. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But ultimately, it's righteousness that brings to peace that releases joy. That's the kingdom of God. Mm. Well, I can't stop there. Go to verse 10. I will greatly rejoice. Stand to your feet. Mm. <laughs> Devor was just ahead of me. She was being led there. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Why will it be joyful? For he clothed me with the garments of salvation and has covered me with a robe of righteousness. Mm. Righteousness goes from a position... Of bringing salvation to now to next bringing identity. You encounter his righteousness, it's what brought salvation. But as you continue to encounter it, it now becomes who you are. Garments of salvation and a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its buds, as the garden causes things that are sown in it to spring forth, 
so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. The last day, I believe that this, this is the last day's message. These last two weeks. Because the whole point is God needs righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. You have the anointing of God in your hands. You have the anointing of God in your words. You are far greater than what your natural mind tells you you are. You are not, a, you are not what your past is all about. Because God sees you as righteousness. Father, we thank you. I thank you for your righteousness in this place. Thank you for your righteousness in this place. Mm. Hallelujah. If you're here today and on your right shoulder, you have severe, severe, almost like a burning or a pressure. If it's a rotator cuff or something torn, just come up here real quick. It's your right shoulder. Hallelujah. His presence is his righteousness that's available to destroy the works of the enemy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Jesus, touch your righteousness manifest upon this life.